MSW Media. Hey everybody, this is Ed Kowalczyk from the band Live, and you're listening right now to the second best voice from Pennsylvania. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill, it's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking, but this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Excuse me. <clears throat> Just like to get that out of the way before I start. Welcome to the show. I am Dan Dunn, and what we're drinking on this episode is rye whiskey. Specifically, Michter's Barrel Strength Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey. And in a little bit, I'm going to chat with Joe Maliocco, the owner of Michter's. And Joe is going to tell us the fascinating story of how he resurrected this centuries-old brand and turned it into one of the most sought-after American whiskeys going. It really is and delicious. In fact, I'm going to, to prove it to you, I'm going to take a sip right now and... Mm, warms the cockles. But first, with me right now is one of my uh, favorite authors. I dare say favorite people. He is a former columnist for Time Magazine, back when that mattered, uh... Of course, he was a ubiquitous presence on uh, VH1's nostalgia-driven shows such as I Love the 80s, I Love the 90s, I Love the 40s, which was frankly not one of their best efforts, I Love the 40s, but I, I enjoyed it. He's written books. He's written books. <laughs> He's written, uh, I was going to say many books, but that would be a lie. Uh, two books? That's plenty. How many books do people hey, want to read? Did I say you could chime no, in? No, I was waiting. To, but then right. you asked me a question and you looked right in my eyes. <laughs> His new book is called In Defense of Elitism Why I'm Better Than You and You Are Better Than Someone Who Didn't Buy This Book. It is out now and it's Joel Stein. How are you, man? Now you can talk. Okay, I was All waiting right. for you've the been, queue. You've been set free. I was nervous. <laughs> yeah. How's it going, man? It's good. Thanks for uh, coming by and having me on. And, I know. Know. I mean, we're I'm not a rock star. I'm not an actor. Like, We're recording yeah. this at Joel's palatial estate in the uh, in the shadow of the Hollywood sign and yeah. right by the Griffith Observatory. Yep. The you don't want me to give too. out the address, though. No, not no, the actual. Okay, yeah, no, I yeah. won't do that. Um, so, man, good to see you. It's uh, so easy to find people's addresses now. You just yeah. type people's name and you get their address. You can get it's it. Yeah, but don't. Secrets. I don't recommend doing that. Right. Um, so, you got this new book, and we're gonna we're gonna get to the book in a little right. bit. I kind of want to jump in right away to Do the it. rye. Yeah, I know I know almost nothing about rye. Well, I know it's mentioned in American Pie, the song. <laughs> it's mentioned by Steely Dan. Which always got to always trick me up because he says good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye. Yeah, which wh- are the whiskey, same thing. Okay, wait, whiskey you is know, like the rectangle and uh, whiskey rye is the, the square. Uh, category and yeah, rye within, is a yeah. is a, a tentacle of that. Yeah. Do you think he didn't know? I think it just worked for the song. And, uh, and but that, he could have said bourbon and rye. That worked for the song. Bur- I think he yeah. didn't know. You're right. You're right. He probably didn't. Don McLean did Can you not have him on know. the show? Is Don McLean still alive? He is. He still performs. That song. 
No, he sings. He refuses to play that. That's all he's got. Yes, he so plays that song. Got, do you think the entire crowd sits at the Don McLean thing and they just talk and hang out? Like, and they're like, when <laughs> is I he going to hear? When are we going to hear? Long, long time ago. I hope he ago. plays. I la 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 love you. Which is the other Don McLean song I can hear. I know. I was thinking about that the other day. Someone was talking about the knack. Uh, you know, my Sharona. Oh, I interviewed them in college on the phone the, for my college paper. You the, did. The, the, my, the my Sharona guy. But they had another song. It was called Good Girls Don't. Oh, but they, I had do. some, they had some thing in the 90s, clearly, when I was in college. So, yeah, they were still around. How did you, how did you secure that interview with the well, Knack? The I mean, Knack. I, they I were did, available? It was, it was one of the most memorable interviews of my life because the Knack guy called super late, like a day late or eight hours late okay and it was literally too late to get it in the newspaper and i told him that and he got very upset at himself and i was like this is a college newspaper why does this matter to the knack and why was he calling me in the first place and then and then he was so upset that he missed this window it was I'm it, always, it broke my heart i was like oh being famous is not what i thought it was i'm always even at this point in in my career, I'm always kind of shocked when people talk to me and I go, why are they, yes. what are they, they don't need this. The difference between like fame and success is, is, can be radical. Well, it's just, it's also, hey, what's going on there? That's the, my Sharona guy upset. Uh-oh, but. they're sending us some sort of secret yeah. message. This is such nice looking equipment. But... What's that purpose? noise? No, we're going to figure this out on the air. All right, there we go. I think it's gone. This was a knack song. This was their other song. Nobody knows it. By the way, Joel is doing the Charlie Brown dance that they do in the beginning right now. Do you know this song? This was their other hit. No, it sounds like what could have happened to the Kinks if they had tried too hard to be modern. (laughs) And you don't have to even worry about the Knack suing us for playing this. Oh, wait, here it is. Ready? does oh this doesn't mention rye at all which i think was where they went wrong (laughs) i think this could have been a hit if he just mentioned rye at least once things can easily go off the rails when joel's on the show the uh, the the one from uh, steely dan is uh, drink rye whiskey all night long and die behind the wheel my god right so you're you sort of are a uh rye expert an expert on uh, (laughs) song mentions of rye is there any others that you can think of um rye rye love (laughs) rye rye happiness rye rye happiness uh, no, I, I almost made a horrible joke that I would have had to cut out, but yeah, I'm not even going to go there. Uh, okay. There's the catcher in the rye, which is the catcher in the rye. Yeah. So, um, um, I don't know much about rye, but I've had rye a few times and I really liked it. And I felt more importantly, I felt cool or tough or sophisticated or some combination of those for liking rye. And I don't know why, cause I don't know what it is. Well, because this is the spirit that this was, what is, that is it me? No, I don't know what that is. Is it the rye? Could it be the rye? Is this aliens trying to get a hold of us? I I refuse to turn this off and stop. Let's see. If a body catch a body. Never had this before. Running through the rye? Let's see. What, Joel? Is it you? Are you you trying to send a message to me? My house is haunted. Secretly? All right, now it's gone. Don't come back, noise. Um, all right, let me tell you what we're drinking first, and then we're going to get into rye. Okay. This is the Michter's US-1 Barrel Strength Rye. It's okay? numbered, by the way. It's numbered. Do, they, you, do you have a particular number you look for when you buy a bottle of rye? In terms of, <laughs> Why do they put the number on? Like, who cares? I'm like a 97623. What's that one? 
uh, it's Jenny's number. This is 9C38, and then I think like the euro sign. Oh, man. We what, are... Why? Why do they number these? Who cares? Because geeky collectors oh, is that right? freak out about. Oh, yeah, Why? Man. What do they want? What are they looking for? Just a limited edition. Uh, yeah. So, this, like, so for it's instance, like a lithograph. This one, this this specific uh, uh, rye, that the US one barrel strength rye, they started doing this annually in 2015. I think what I have here might be at last year's, a 2018, what we're drinking. Um, but basically, uh, Michter's started pioneering the process of crafting rye whiskeys. They were doing that back in the, the 90s, long before rye got trendy again, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, but they wanted to establish the high-quality rye category, and this is the, the whiskey they did is it with. Is there a low-quality rye category? Oh, yeah, there's shitty rye. Oh, there, there. Is. This is. This is not shitty rye. This is really good rye. And I assume the grain rye is involved in rye whiskey. That is exactly right. Okay. right. So let me let me go back then. Let's, let's rewind. I'm going to tell you. So... Before the Revolutionary War, America was really into rum. Okay, sure. Rum was I mean, the They were getting that from uh, the Caribbean. They were getting it from, the, from the Caribbean. They trade it for slaves sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Why'd you have to bring that up? Now you're bringing, the whole, now you're bringing everybody down, bringing up slavery. Uh, although I will recommend this. I will recommend another well, podcast recommend to you. slavery, are you? No, 1619 podcast. Oh, yes, uh, yes. Yes, yeah, 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 right. Everybody yeah. should check that out. Okay, so by 1750, there were 63 rum distilleries operating in the state of Massachusetts alone. Okay. Okay. People just could not get enough rum. Because they're getting the sugar straight. straight. Yeah, it's easy From the make. Caribbean, yeah. yeah. And then uh, then the colonies had a minor disagreement with the English over taxes, and everything changed. Um, and they, they, after they came out on the losing side of this, the English had no desire to help us out or have democracy succeed, and certainly trade with the Caribbean dried up. And with between, it, between England and the Caribbean, oh, no, the, the between Eng- America, between America, the colonies and 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 England, because Eng- the English were the ones bringing up that molasses well, that we needed to make the rum. There yeah. wasn't like a French Caribbean that we could trade with at that point. Uh, you're asking me stuff okay, I don't sorry. know the answer right, to. Okay, but um, but we had we had trouble getting we couldn't rum. get the molasses anymore, and that okay. was the base of rum. That did not stop our pioneering do you know forefathers. This, this song from the musical 1776. I bet you do. Mol- <laughs> <laughs> molasses to rum to slaves. I don't know that song. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that Should I try to find that on Spotify? For sure. See, all right, we'll yeah. get to that later. Um, so rum goes into the decline. Whiskey steps up to the bat. Rye, the grain, rye, was readily available, especially in the Northeast. Pennsylvania and Maryland were probably the two places where rye was cultivated the most. And they just started making large amounts of rye-based whiskey. As the immigrants started moving west, there were other types of grain popular in Kentucky, for instance, uh, but uh, rye became the staple of American spirits. It was the dominant whiskey. And what is, what is bourbon made out of? What's the grain? There? Corn is the main. Corn. Is the and main what about grain. like scotch? A barley. Barley. Yeah. And what about like Canadian whiskey? Uh, they say they call them rye whiskeys, but there's not really a lot of rye. And they make them out of any grain up okay. there, wheat, whatever you can get yeah. it all your hands on. So, um, so now what happens is... Uh, and you can taste the difference depending on what kind of wheat 100%, yeah, okay. 100%. So like many things, Prohibition came along and gutted rye. Okay. You were, were you pro-Prohibition back well, then? Well, you know, you? I was alive back then, yeah. and uh, and I didn't like it. You I were was against, not a fan. Okay. But I did open a speakeasy. Oh, uh, and that yeah, worked out well so for you, I remember. Went, well, that's how I made all of my mm-hmm. money. Um, so uh, it, it, here's the thing about rye. Rye is spicier. And I think if you taste this Michter's right now, you'll yes. get this, than, than, than bourbon. It's a spicier thing. After World War II, 
people's tastes began to change in America. More sugar. They wanted, it started to shift from, they wanted lighter spirits. Okay. Oh, okay. And obviously towards the, towards the end of the 20th century, it, it became like the clear spirits. You know, people wanted vodka. I did not People like wanted yeah. gin. They wanted gin. Oh, they wanted okay. tequila became yeah. big too. Yeah. And, and uh, rye was basically done as right. a category by the end of the 20th century. Was rye depressed and kind of rye was drinking rye was sleep? drinking itself. And what was weird is it was drinking itself to sleep with vodka. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And that it, it, thus was. digging yeah. its own grave. So, uh, so rye. So, but luckily, what started happening is we had this craft cocktail rebirth started to happen, and some of these innovative bartenders started discovering some of these older recipes mm-hmm. for drinks that were made with rye. And rye, bourbon became really popular, and then rye started to come up too. And rye. Did you ever make a fix with? Uh, I've been watching. I uh, rewatched all of Deadwood, and uh, was there a drink called the Fix? There were a lot of fixes. That seemed to be the popular cocktail, and they were whiskey drinks. I don't. Know. I don't know if they were. I mean, rye. I don't know if I've had the. Fix. You never had a fix? There's all kinds of fixes. It's very sad. You ever had Taos Lightning? Sorry, I wanted to play with the soundboard a little bit. That's what I do when I get distracted by. Uh, Joel bringing up drinks I don't know. Um, what was the question again? Have you, had, have you ever drank Taos Lightning? No. That was like it. a very old whiskey that they drink on Deadwood. Sometimes. On Deadwood. Yeah. Hmm, never had yeah, it. I don't know. I don't These know. are 1880s beverages. Do? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to give you the difference between bourbon and rye. I got it. No, I can do it now. Okay, go you ahead. explained it. Bourbon is corn-based and rye is based uh, with the, the wheat of rye. The rules are this. Bourbon the, has to be from Kentucky. No, it does not have to be from Kentucky. Uh, It has to have a grain mixture that's at least 51% corn, okay? Yeah. Must be aged in new charred oak. Charred. Charred oak barrels. Uh, It can be- Literally like burn They burn them, yeah. Yeah. So they, 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 they- Put them in. If you've ever seen barrels get charred, they they shoot fire into them for about a minute. Like they with have a various, flamethrower, or like pretty much. They yeah. shoot. Generally, what they do is the barrels come in and they yeah, it just comes in and it's on an assembly line and they they shoot flames into the barrel. Does that person who does that have a very cool name for their job? <laughs> I don't know because that's uh, that's a manly job. I mean, yeah. I'm not. I shouldn't put it that way, but it's a tough job. That's a cool the job. Char guy or gal. Yeah, char person. But wouldn't that be a cool thing to tell people you do? It's got to be a hot. It's got to be hot though. Like, but imagine like welding doing that. is super. That's a tough thing. Like to a do. barrel maker. I feel like the barrel maker would be. Yeah, the, but I picture that as being like a cooper. They call exactly. those. They're called I coopers. Just, I can picture a cooper, but I don't picture the cooper being possibly comfortable with that flamethrower part. That seems like a specialist. It's a. You, you know what? If you mess it up, mm-hmm. you're in trouble. You've ruined the whole barrel. And you could or, burn, oh, you could oh, burn, sorry, the, yes. you could burn yeah, the whole well, operation down. Yeah. All right, so it got to be distilled no more than 160 proof. It's got to enter the barrel at no more than 125 proof. It's got to be at least 80 proof in the bottle, okay? Those are the rules for bourbon. Rye is the same thing, except one exception. What do you think that exception is? We've gotten rid of the corn. We've replaced it with rye. It's, it's right in the name. I don't know why we're spending It has to be at least 51% rye. Corn can be in there, and there is corn well, I don't in like there. when there's corn in there. You don't like the corn? No. I why? feel like rye should just be made of rye. It's because of children of the corn, isn't it? The I, movie haunted you. It did. I was at Kelly Mack's birthday party, and they turned See, it on. See, they hear it. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? Is it yeah. That, They're no, back. That, Anytime we mention a movie. Yeah. I think it's somebody said the universe is telling us to stop talking about movies. But no, I, I, I avoided watching Children of the Corn. I went to a different room. It was scary. At the party. That kid, the, the main kid in Children of the Corn was very, very scary. Give it a shot. Um, okay, so now we got this. Now we got this. Michter's that we're drinking right now. Um, 
I find it delightful. Do you like it? I really like it. And, um, you know, 75 bucks a bottle. That seems that seems right. It's, it's hard to find, though. Oh, it is. Well, That's the thing. Every time I like something, that the person's like, "Yeah, I can be able to get it." Yeah. Is that well, the case here? You know me. I mean, I can help That's you. True. But if I went to like K or some store, can I buy this? No. You could find it. Yeah, Mictors. Mictors okay. is a very popular and All widely right. available brand. And this, you know, I don't know anything about spirits. I know, I know a little I know bit about this. wine. I'm aware of that. Yeah. Um, but it seems like I it would be wrong to mix this. No. Really? No, this would be d- delightful in some cocktails. I yeah. feel like you should drink this straight. I mean, uh, we're drinking it straight right now. Now we brought, we brought, we're ice. drinking it neat. Now we, Joel, uh, can I, can I finger this ice? It's okay. You already have. I'm gonna drop a cube. I'm gonna drop two cubes into two. my two. And what I, what I find is, and if you want to try that, is two. Okay. Adding, adding the water or ice opens it up a little bit. It softens the the burn of the alcohol yep. a little and it just you, Which I'm sensitive to because I don't drink a lot of spirits. You don't. Yeah. Yep. You're you're more of a wine guy, is yeah. that correct? You that do correct. like the wine. And by the way, I think you drink wine because you have a lot of fancy friends. I w- I was reading your book oh, and you. you mentioned in the book I I read your book. Oh, I read really? the whole book. Wow. You know that. You're I, already, I wrote you and I told you that I wrote that I read the book when you sent it to me a while ago. Uh, I had a, the opportunity to read it early and in the book you you actually sp- Speak of some of your famous friends. A lot of name dropping. A lot of name Tons. dropping. Yeah, in Rob fact, was Reiner was in there. Not my friend, but yes, I met him. Yeah, in the but book. don't they yeah. all live here? They're all in this block. Well, no. So just four houses up the street from here yeah. is a woman named Stephanie Miller, and she has become the center in LA of these of the resistance, the Trump resistance. The Trump so resistance. She has party. She's having a party uh, next week to celebrate the impeachment. So yeah, I'd go to dinners at her house, and there'd be people like Rob Reiner and. You know, people plotting against Trump. But wait, now you talked about Trump, and here it comes again. Anytime I feel like we're being monitored, I yeah. think that's what it is. Yeah. You talked about wait, Trump. I have a question from yeah. my book for you. I have a, yeah. a, a Oh, look, there it is. Yeah, There's no, no, no. an actual copy. Well, of it. it's the very first sentence of the book, the very okay. the introduction. And I don't know if you noticed this. Okay. But the first sentence is I am carrying a bottle of 2012 Trump Winery Sparkling Blanc de Blanc. Yes. I'm. I, I'm going to that woman Stephanie's house for the uh, party, the election night party, and everyone thinks Hillary's going to win. And you yeah, know, and that's uh, right. It, there's a slow realization at the party that, that that's, that's not, not going to happen. happen. But yeah. anyway, that's the first sentence. Now, this Trump Winery sparkling Blanc de Blanc was given to me by you. That's why I had it. <laughs> when did I give you that? So I came to ask you questions at a bookstore for your book. Oh, that's right. And as a gift, I gave you the Trump. You gave wine. me the Trump. Wine, which I then put in my wine cellar because I'm a horrifying elite. And then I brought to this party where it was never opened because we I brought it there. Okay, let me read the next sentence. Yeah, yeah. I received the bottle ironically, and I am re-gifting it even more ironically to liberal radio talk show host Stephanie Miller for the election party she's throwing four houses up for mine in the Hollywood Hills. We shall toast Donald Trump's concession speech with glasses of his own sorry attempt to mimic the elite he tried to bring down. It shall taste sweet, slightly too sweet due to the low acid levels in the Virginia grapes. Here's now, first of all, thank you for giving me that bottle, which I then brought. And by the way, when I gave you that bottle, the idea that Donald Trump was ever going to run for president was a uh, no, no, no. I think he was running. Was he already running? But it was he had no chance. It was like he wasn't going to win. Okay, I guess that would have been 2016. That's why it was so funny. Okay, so you gave me this bottle, and then you had another bottle, and we opened it and drank it. And we were both like, this isn't as bad as we hoped it was. But it was... No. Yeah. But here's the thing, that a fact checker was working on that sentence. And here's my question to you. It's a Blanc de Blanc. 
which yeah. is um, a champagne made of Chardonnay. It's yes. a white, white from whites. Instead of using the normal three blends, which is two reds and a white, they just use the whites. Yes. It's Blanc de Blancs with an S at the end, and that's the only way I've ever seen it in any champagne or wannabe champagne. This fact checker noticed that the actual bottle says Blanc de Blanc without an S on it. <laughs> because he can't spell. Come on. Is that what, <laughs> what, you think, what is going on? Listen. So I was torn about. Look at official I was presidential like a, communiques. Or come on, routinely though, he has a big company. There's winemakers there. What are they doing? He's Why would, the president, and they routine. I mean, I, I look at some of these reports that come out that are issued from the right, and they're they're riddled with mis. They don't care. I don't think he. I really believe. But it's other a case people of the, working there must care in Virginia. No, apparently not. Do you think maybe, they argued that like, look, there's only one white grape. It's Chardonnay. Why not just say Blanc de Blanc singular? Maybe they're afraid to. Maybe they're afraid to correct him. Or I don't. I don't even know what that he would be. He doesn't know Blanc de Blanc. That's true. Uh, by the way, while you're talking, I'm looking at this and I'm looking at how this came about. When I, I went when I was writing my book American Wino, I went to Virginia, and right across the street, right in the shadow of, of Monticello, uh, where Jefferson lived. Right down the road, there's two wineries, and they're right across the street from each other. One is called Blenheim. Mm-hmm. It's owned yep. by Dave Matthews. It's completely gravity-based. Everything's recycled wood. <laughs> it's solar energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Directly across the street is Trump, and it's the complete opposite story. of that. Yeah, and, and so I oh, wrote— Is a, it inside totally different? Is it like gold-plated? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's—so what happened was the, the winery— How is the—how do the wines compare? At the time, I mean, I, I liked uh, um, Matthew's wine better. Okay. Yeah, it was better made. But uh, the wine that they were making at Trump wasn't horrible. Uh, I didn't think so. I, mean, it was I a couldn't stupid drink it point, now. But, yeah. um, but what's interesting about that winery, and this is, and I had no idea that what would come to pass no. after this would come to pass, no but did. you know, Donald Not doesn't drink. Right, okay? right. So he, there was a winery there called Kluge, and yes. it had done really well. And then... Um, but then it was founded in 1999 by this socialite, Patricia Kluge, and she built it up and it did really Kluge, great. I thought it was Kluge. Kluge, Kluge, yeah. It sounds better as Kluge. She went, no, Kluge. I think it's Kluge. Yeah, and so good. they were doing really well and they went all in on this expansion of the winery mm-hmm. in 2008. Oh, right when the economy was taking a nosedive. So she lost everything, right? And this is what I wrote in the book. So it says, uh, with her hand forced, Kluge put the house and land on the market for $100 million, but got no offers. The bank foreclosed. It was a miserable situation. And as we all know, where there is misery, there is Trump. (laughs) So the land was auctioned off in parcels, much of it at fire sale rates. However, the bank held out for big bucks for the plantation house itself. So Trump bought the relatively cheap parcel of land that included the house's front lawn. How this managed to get into the sale, uh, I don't know. But at that sale, Trump's general counsel commented on the house's $16 million asking price, asking, who's going to pay that for a house with no front yard? They ended up picking up the house for $6.5 million after the bank apparently realized they'd been trumped. Great job ruining everything, Bank of America. Oh, and great job letting Donald Trump into the wine game. This is why we can't have nice things. And all I can say is I wish that had been the worst thing that had ever happened with Donald Trump, but it wasn't. So much to ask about here. So first of all, there's been little note of the fact that Donald Trump owns a plantation house. Oh, yeah. 
That's disturbing. Which, by the way, everybody, most of the people, and there's been numerous reports about, uh, you know, people that are illegal, that are working at the winery, and they're fine with that. But it's a plantation house. That's particularly awfully That's what they call any big house in the South. No, I'm sure it was a plantation. Oh, no, no, no. Was this house pre-existing or she built this? Uh, it was a, no, it was, a, it was, a it was an old pre-existing. Plant, it was, it was an old historical landmark. With slaves, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, that's I will say, buying the front lawn, that's pretty genius. Genius, yeah. yeah. And what again? What was crazy? Let's was go it, do this. Let's go around LA and buy front lawn. <laughs> Let's buy front lawn. So smart. <laughs> So yeah, it's, it's a, a risk though. You might be stuck with just the front lawn. You might be stuck with it, but he. I don't know how that even happened, but it did. Anyway, we're off on Trump now. So. But the, thank you for the wine because it, it gave me uh, it gave the lead it gave something book. to talk yeah. about yeah and the, I'm excited about the I'm just great to see it I, I only read it and read it electronically but it looks yeah. fantastic Which you can do are I you no are you excited about the prospects of oh this book now that's just out be, the book's just out I mean you can see my face I could not be more excited about the idea of of trying to get people to buy a book. <laughs> well, let's talk about the book a little bit. It's yeah. it, 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 it's in defense of elitism. So yes. w- tell us a little bit about what what inspired the book, what made you write the book. And you really, uh, what I was really impressed about is that generally I feel like you're just making stuff up as you go. That's right. Uh, most of your writing yeah. throughout your career. Yeah. Uh, and this one, you dug in, man. You went down to Texas and spent a lot of time down there uh, meeting with uh, real to, Texans. I went to the county with the highest percentage of Trump voters in the country. And <laughs> I stayed there for a week and, uh, and got to know. It was a very small town. What's like, the name of the town again? Miami, Texas. Miami, it's spelled Miami. It's like spelled Miami. Miami. Yeah, yeah. But Miami. And, uh, which I thought they were just mispronouncing like uh-huh. as Southerners. And then, then eventually I, I realized that they don't have a really thick accent down there. So I figured they were repeating the mispronunciation of someone from like a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. But it turns out there's a, a huge tribe, a Native American tribe called the Mama uh, Indians. That Why don't they for. spell it M-I-A-M-A? Because that would be Miami. Yeah, there wasn't. An, when you refer to the tribe, you actually spell it differently. Like uh, M-I-Y-I... Okay. Yeah. Okay, so it's a bastardized spelling. It's a bastardized spelling. Yeah. And okay, got it. There's that noise again. By the way, this stuff will drive me crazy. No one else is going to be bothered by this noise yeah. except me. But you're a professional. I don't know where it's coming from. Yeah. And so what ends up happening is I, I start checking one. Pull your check your microphone. There. See? Ooh, oh. What? You're saying it's me? I didn't, I never touched this thing. I feel like it's you. I feel like you're radioactive or something. Um, well, it sounds like a Geiger counter, counter, doesn't it? It does. I feel like we so. do have Geiger counters in this house, just to be extra safe. <laughs> you know, so, just in case. I, I saw that Chernobyl uh, series, and I just thought, why not? They're cheap. Just put Geiger counters that. everywhere. It could be that. Yeah. Um, so the so in the book there could be an incident like a Fukushima thing happening somewhere near here. It and could my be. Right. This could be nuts. the last thing we ever do. I have carbon monoxide. That's, I got everything here. That's a sad yeah. thought. This could be the last thing we ever do. So. In the book, you basically, it, it, was it a reaction to this anti-intellectualism that came yes. along with Trump? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I started, I mean, I wrote a column th- probably right around Sarah Palin time about okay. this. And I, it's been something I've been thinking about for a very long time. And something that like lots of people have been thinking about for, there's this famous Richard Hofstadter book in the 60s that won the Pulitzer called um, The Rise of Anti-Intellectualism in America. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. But yeah, no, this idea of like, average people can make good decisions from their gut in an increasingly complicated world. And this anti-globalism, I feel like we're just headed towards a real dark ages. We're headed. I think we're there. By the way, breakthrough, I figured out what was making the noise. You know, Look, 
Look, yeah, because you've got some expertise in this. You're the elite podcaster. It's, it's this. It's my cell phone. Well, you shouldn't have your cell phone on. During was this. near the cell phone was near the recording Look, device. You should turn off your cell phone. Right, like I, what? What kind what of host are you? What I mean, if something I, more important than this happens? Well, well yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't yeah, thought of that. You didn't think about that. My guy or counter will tell you. So you go down there. You go down to Texas. This has never happened to you before. You've had your cell phone on. Never, Other people, you shut I, your cell phone off. It was sitting for. next to my to the recorder. Like when you have like Matthew McConaughey on, the cell phone's off. Yeah, totally off. So but it's just that's just how we found my out clothes are off too. And Matthew <laughs> insists, you know, we insist we do this shirtless. Um, so you, you go down there, you do this, you write about it. What I was interested to know about was you, you became friendly with people to the point where they came up here to see you in LA. Oh, or, I talked to someone from Emma last week, yeah. But do you feel like some of them are going to be upset about the book? Well, the way you said it makes me think I should worry about that. I'm always worried that anyone I write about, no matter how much I think I was nice will dislike it. I feel like I never can predict. In fact, I, someone who I wrote about in this book just emailed me this week because I sent her a copy and I was scared and she loved it. I okay. never know. I'm really hoping, I sent a bunch of books down to my Emma. I hope they like well, it. I know, and, and it's but, a, you, but I can tell I'm, I'm probably wrong. No, no, it's a great, it, what, I guess maybe because I'm thinking I'm sure more, right. I'm thinking more about, again, your earlier writing and if you, I would, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I would think in some of your previous work, I've pissed people off. you might, but you might, you, you employ humor yep. and self-deprecation yep. to sort of maybe take a little bit of the bite out of what you're saying about. And in this book, I felt like you, you really went for it. Like oh. you, you were calling it the way you saw it and the way, and, and to the, to maybe to the point where like, these were people that I think you, at least it came through to me in the book that there was a genuine affection for these people, but there was all, you also were not afraid to call them out on some of the, some of the bullshit. Yeah. There's a hard moment. You know, this when you, when you're doing journalism, it's, there was a hard moment, particularly, I don't know if you're thinking of this in the book where this couple I really liked, I think they're really, really good people and they were really nice to me. I was in their house for dinner and the woman said something that was like pretty blatantly racist. Yes. And I remember, and I, I point this out in the book, but there's a, I remember just feeling like I don't want to write this. Like I wish you wouldn't say this. I wish I could stop you from saying this. And I remember the instinct was like to knock over my glass of iced tea or something to stop her. Because yeah. I knew if she said it, I'd be... I, I feel some responsibility that I had to report you, that. What did she say? Do you remember? Um, I, mean, I know you remember. Do you want to talk about it? Or you want to... Sure. Yeah, it's in the book. I think the, I can find the page. But she. Yeah. But the sentence starts with the, the problem with blacks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was hoping that it was going to be like, you know, they don't help my complexion, so I have to go with lighter colored hues. Yeah. But she wasn't talking about clothing. Yeah. It's sort of, it's the equivalent of when you start with, you know, I'm not a racist, but well, there's a lot. whatever's coming out of their mouth next gotta is going like, to be racist. In our demo here in LA, we're always talking about how racist we are. But like in Miami, Texas, everyone was immediately telling me they weren't racist, yeah. which was like, I didn't ask you if you were racist. What a weird thing to bring up. Well, and I, obviously I think it's it, it, the times that we live in now, everybody's put in yes. one of two camps. Yes. And so I, I people, and that's not fair. It's people, a continuum. People down there, yeah. you know, we, we tend to. Being from the north, you know, I'm from I'm from Philly. You're from New York, right? It's like Jersey. It's not fair, but we do it. We go, oh, you know, the way they talk. How you doing down there? Totally not but fair. These these people, are, yeah. for the most part, I mean, I I just came back from Kentucky, and it's the same thing. These are sharp people, and and could there be dumber people in Philadelphia? 
My impression so. of Philadelphia, literally Philadelphia, I believe should be the capital of New Jersey. Like Trenton, that's ridiculous. Philadelphia has nothing to do with Pennsylvania. It should be the capital of New Jersey. And I have never been anywhere in the world where I've seen more people spit on the street. Oh, yeah. As if that's just like... And they're not even chewing tobacco. They're just spitting on the street in Philadelphia. Wait, in Philly? I've never been more ready for a fight other than maybe New Hampshire than I am. Like New England and Philly are the two places I'm scared of seeing young people. People, there are, there's some anger in Philadelphia. There's a little bit of anger. I don't Go to know, a you know, sports they, game yeah, in it Philadelphia. It comes around and... Anger's at Philadelphia itself half the time. But the, but it does speak to that idea. And I, and I yeah. you know, I see that on my Facebook and, and with, you know, people that I, I wouldn't necessarily call friends of mine, but they're people, you know, you got a lot of people I came up with. I, I grew up very lower middle class, blue collar. I yeah. got a lot of... You have and footless cousins. Footless cousins. That's right. Legless. He's only got one now. He's got oh. like four toes he's got left. Um, but... The, the, the embrace of anti-intellectualism is something that is truly scary to me because no matter what, even Mm -hmm. when I grew up, everybody's, at least it seemed that way, um, was wanted to be better and wanted, aspired to be, they respected, they respected, you know, scientists and, and they respected people that, that were strivers and people that, that were, you know, and now it's become, and I think it has to do with the fact that it's, it's easier. Okay. It's easier to be stupid. It's easier to not open your mind to, to, to progressive thought or to even to, to just people that are different than you. It's easier to do it. And for the longest time, that was not okay. And then for a variety of reasons along the way, it's now become celebrated. You know, yes. I, I, I recently posted something on my Instagram where I've been doing this thing where it's a get more followers Friday. Sure. So I take uh, pictures of uh, uh, like bikini shot and I we superimpose my oh, head on this. there. Yeah, that's, that's and very upsetting. Because... Let's face it, you know, you go on these social media and who are the biggest it's just people? Boobs. It's just, We've it's been just, reduced to just boobs. it's just boobs or yeah. it's people doing stupid shit, making fun yeah. of people. And, and we now have gone from celebrating, you know, consequential people and ideas to and expertise in general. Yeah. Like it bothers me even in wine and I, I'm going to guess spirits, which is there's this whole thing sommeliers do now. And that people who sell you wine in the store is like, what do you like? You know, there's no judgment. Like if you like that, that's fine. Yeah. It's like, no, that's not how taste works. Like some things are better than others. And if you like that, like it's not just as good as someone who knows a lot more and can tell you a lot more. They're, they're, you know, well, that might be that just simple. That's from the sales manual. You know, how do we sell these people some stuff? So let's just make I them guess, feel like I don't love whatever that. they say is right. Yeah. Right. But they're just going to keep buying wine with animals on the cover or that say bitch on there, whatever. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's a good way to sell. I don't think that's a good long-term way to like inform your customer like the wine stores i like to go to like look to teach you something look to like get you experience something new just like you like high alcohol fruity wines let's just keep you in that lane well, like i just i hate that it's sort of the, just I, as the good idea as what i know the idea could be this is like, i don't know more than you if you don't want to if you want to drink wine then step the fuck up right yeah and 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 do it the right way and figure out like learn something okay like or if that, you don't and you want to drink like Whatever wine you like, fine, but don't pretend like that's just as good. Like what you like is just as good as what I like. But what I'm saying, Joel, is like 
it this tr- translates into every goes you want to get on you want to get on facebook and comment yes. about politics you want yes. then learn something Op- like read something first educate yourself and then say something otherwise but that's this well, look, it translates this, to everything it's the person yelling at the tv at the like the football coach because they would have made a better decision oh 100 right? it's, it's the like, person what telling is like he why is nancy pelosi like either impeaching or not impeaching i'm like I, Look, I have my opinions, but I'm very sure Nancy Pelosi knows more than me. Oh, I yeah. had a, you the, the sports thing's funny. You know, I'm a big uh, Philadelphia Eagles fan, and Sorry. there was a there was a play recently, a recent game, where the coach Doug Peterson decided to go for two uh, instead of the the, right. the extra point. He went for the two point instead of the one point. And I mean, people were in the bar where I watch the games. They're going crazy. What the fuck is wrong with him? After it failed or before? Is he a moron? Because they didn't get it. Yeah. If they would have got it, he would have been a genius. He didn't get it. Yeah. So they were complaining afterwards. So they were up seven. They were up seven instead of eight. If they would have just kicked the extra point, they would have been up eight. He was going for the two point conversion to put him up nine, which would be two scores. So they're still up seven, but people are going crazy. What is he moron? I'm like. They won the Super Bowl <laughs> yes, two right. years ago. They Against won the, the Super- Patriots. Uh, beat, beat the pa- he yeah. won the Super Bowl. He's a moron. You know you're what you're genius. talking yeah, about. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. But I mean, that's the thing is, you know, everybody now. Everybody's I got that emotional reaction at the moment, but sure. people really believe it. Well, believe they would do a better job. I miss the days when you could have, and don't get me wrong, my whole life has been that. People screaming at the TV. Yeah. But I just miss the days when I didn't have to read about it in their feed. Yes. I didn't have to have them create a campaign exactly. online. Exactly. It's one thing to have to, the emotional reaction. It's another thing to like write a screed that makes no sense well, and to also, someone who knows the thing. Also, the media, we talk about this, and you know, I'm not here to shit on the media. We're both members of it. But like, when I read these articles when they say, you know, they start quoting people on Twitter. As though yes. somehow this represents yep. a shift in pop. I'm like, what in the hell is going on? Yeah. Like at, at stymie so my pants, lazy, something, whatever it? is he said this about the president. And I'm like, what are we talking about right now? So crazy. What are we talking? Who is this person? It's super lazy. And like compared to like actually interviewing someone, just like repeat what they said on Twitter. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Oh, no. I'm so yeah. mad. Well, this is what the book is. Whiskey. The book is a rant about yeah. all this stuff. By the way, I like it. I'm I'm ashamed to say I like it better with the ice in it. I, I kind of do too. Do you? Yeah, I like it. It, it just, uh, you know what it is? As we mentioned earlier, it softens the mm-hmm. it softens that whiskey a little. And it does, and you're able to pick up yeah more notes. flavors yeah, yeah, that yeah. you weren't maybe going to get before. And what I like about rye is that compared to, and I, I do like Scotch, even though I don't know much about it. Yeah. It it it's like it's removed all the Christmas from Scotch. You know? Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Is that not right? No, I like okay. that idea. I mean, this this particular one. Now that we've had the water in there, the ice, they sort of, you get in a little bit of the caramel, you get in some of that yeah, like no, that's caramel right. notes. And there's even a little bit of a fruity note to it, I think. Yep. Because right off the bat, when you're drinking it neat, you're going to get that spice from the rye. Rye is a spicy grain. Oh, but, but, but different spice, not the Christmassy spice. No, this is more of a, more of a, uh, like a, like a, a cutting, uh, yeah. sharp, a sharp flavor. What spice would you know. attribute that to? Like just what, what is it? To me, it kind of reminds me and it doesn't taste like this, but it reminds me of like, if you get a sharp cheese versus an extra sharp cheese. So we're talking about peppery spice compared to like a, um, cinnamony spice. No, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, peppery spice. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I like that. And then when it softens Especially up a little for bit, day drinking, mm-hmm. like we're doing now, it is daytime. Um, what I want to do, so let me just finish with this on your book. Yeah, sorry, I, yeah, I, I really, I'm not just saying this to blow sunshine up your ass. This to me is the best work you've done. Oh my God. Thank you. Uh, I, you're, I loved your columns in time. They were great. And, but I mean, in terms of the, you know, 
Uh, I liked Man Made. I liked your first book oh, a lot, but this book just, and I told you this when I wrote you the email after I read it, was it it really showed a, there's like a muscular quality to your writing in this that I really... There's a lot more history. There's a lot more... Doug. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I mean, it's a lot uh, more still obviously very funny. Your sense of humor is, I, I put you up there in the, you know, I think of you in this sort of the Dave Barry's. Oh and, my God. And, uh, Dave you know, Barry, um, by the way, uh, you know, I couldn't, I love and read in high school, but he blurbed it. What? Which Let was, me see it. I'll read this Oh my book. God. Let me read How this exciting book. was, this was like, I kept telling him that Let's my teenage self was exploding with happiness. In these troubled times, we need somebody to bring us together. Instead, we have Joel Stein in this brilliantly funny book. So let's let somebody else unite us while we let Joel Stein entertain the hell out of us. Dave Barry, Pulitzer Prize winning columnist and New York Times bestselling author. How crazy is Dave Barry? You got Walter Isaacson, Jimmy Kimmel, Andy Barwitz, my friend Aisha Tyler. Hey, oh, you know, I wrote for Talk Soup. You know that. John Hodgman, AJ Jacobs. Where's Dan Dunn in here? I don't see my book. No, inside. Inside. Oh, is that where yeah. it is? Damn it. He never asks me. You're on some of my books. Um, one more quick thing about time. I read this. Did you actually say this? When time got rid of my column, I thought it was all over. It was really sad. And then I just started pushing it to lots of places. And I thought someone would run my column. I thought it was popular and no one wanted it. Did you say that? Oh, I've probably said it many times. I found that quote about the truth. Time's gotten rid of, I don't think I said that about when time finally got rid of my column. I probably said that a while ago when time got rid of my I mean, they've gotten rid of me a couple times. It was crazy because you were such a staple in oh. there. And I subscribed to time. And when I would get it, I would always go to the back and read your column first. Me too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you read your own stuff. For sure. I can... Well, even that little bit I was reading you about Donald Trump, I start to sweat, you know, and you've been to my, so. Oh, reading your own stuff, you start to sweat. Oh, oh man. Oh, it's, it's the worst, isn't like it? Like book signings too. Because that's why you become a writer. You don't want to like, you're not an actor, you're not a performer, you don't want to read your own stuff. I, I like to do it on the, this, on the show because every once in a while I'll, I'll do. I've heard you read, I heard you read a chapter. Yeah, I'll do yeah. some stuff on here and I like that. I like the rhythm of it. But when I'm doing it in front of people, oh, the worst. all I'm every word I'm thinking they're How judging me. They're judging me. It? They're judging me. They're judging me. How do professors yeah. stand? It's not up going there well for like 50 minutes, three know. times a week, and everyone's bored and silent. Like it's God. it's a tough thing. So here's what I want to do right now, Joel. We're stay with me here for a second. I'm gonna roll this over. We're gonna. I want to listen to this interview with Joe Malioko because Michter's whiskey, the whiskey they have a bourbon and a rye. I don't like his name for this job. Malioko? Yeah. I want him to have a like uh like a more a deadwoodier Crawford name. or Crawford be good, yeah. McCoy. Oh, that'd be bad. Joe McCoy. Although that gets into the bourbon territory. I think Crawford. Yeah. Joe is a very shrewd businessman, and as you're gonna hear in this interview, which I did with him at the Bourbon and Beyond Festival in Kentucky, how he Michter's is a brand, it's one of the oldest brands in America, and how he brought this brand back from death it was over Michter's was done and how he brought it back and in a very relatively short time I would say uh, has turned it into one of the premier whiskey brands in America it's a great story let me ask you a rye question yeah, before yeah, you go it. um are there smoky ryes or is this this is the basic rye taste this is the rye taste yeah okay. I mean you, you, I think people would say there's a you can get a more of a smokier quality than than in bourbon but some of that also has to do with the barrel aging that the, they use you know the barrel is where the rye is going to give it that, the rye, the grain rye is going to give it that spice, that peppery yeah, spice. Yeah, that's what I'm liking. But the barrel in any whiskey. In, is where the smoke would come from. Where the, 
where the primary flavor, uh, uh, the the primary flavor profile of any whiskey is, I think, determined more from the barrel than anything else. So a lot of it's going to have to do with how they aged it, how long they aged it, whatever. But it certainly can get some smoke from that char, from the wood in the barrel. This isn't. This is very clean. This is very clean. Yeah. yeah this is uh, this is some good stuff and. Elitists drink this. By the I would, way. I, I, it's obvious to me. The show Billions. You ever watch the show Billions yeah, on yes, Showtime? Yes, I have. So whenever they celebrate on Billions, no. they pull out Michters. Really? Whenever they celebrate, but it's not the price point isn't so crazy for a show called Billions. I for think. this one, but they have some. They have, oh, a, they, do. They, have okay. they have a big portfolio, right. and they have some others. But but really, what it comes down to is it's just a it's a it's a whiskey that uh, that aficionados oh, really okay. appreciate. But also, as you mentioned, this. This has an approachable uh, price point, so anybody that enjoys great whiskey right. can get there with this. So, here's the interview with Joel. Stay uh, with uh, Joe Madioko, Joe Joel Stein. Stay with me for a second. We'll run this, and here it is. Bourbon and Beyond is going, and it's still happening, and we're having such a great time. And I am just really, really happy to have the guy that, that's here in front of me right now. Uh, he is the owner of one of my favorite spirits brands in the world. Not just my favorite whiskey brands, one of my favorite spirits brands. Those of you who listen to the show regularly know that I write for The Rob Report, among others, and I think I've written about Michter's maybe more than any other brand I've written about there at The Rob Report, and with good reason, because I love it. Joe Malioko from Michter's. How are you, man? I'm doing great, Dan. Thank you so much for having me on. You know, I've I've listened to your podcast a lot, and uh, I love it, and I'm really thrilled to be on. Thank you. Well, hey, you you guys are... Michter's is a brand that... We'll go with a quick history here. So Michter started in Pennsylvania a long time ago. 1753. 1753. So there's a claim that that is maybe the oldest distillery in America, right? Yeah. America's first whiskey company. Not, I mean, there were, there were apparently were rum distilleries before then, but, um, uh, you know, it was likely America's first whiskey company. And then what did in Michter's in Pennsylvania? You know... Michter's in Pennsylvania uh, wound up going into bankruptcy in 1989. And, you know, this American spirit business was quite different in the 70s, 80s, and 90s than it is right now. Um, and these are rough figures, but North American whiskey in 1970 sold roughly 80 million nine-liter cases. Um, by by the year 2000, uh, it had fallen from 80 million cases a year to 30 million cases a year. There was a virtual depression in what we call the brown goods business in the, in North America. And uh, you know, Michter's Pennsylvania was a great distillery. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it wasn't huge, and uh, you know, like a lot of other companies, uh, uh, it just couldn't make it through that downturn. And what's really incredible, and, and as Joe alluded to, we've talked about this before, is, you know, back then you had a lot of things happen, but, you know, like Absolute came along and people got hooked on vodka and there was, you know, the whole cocktail Tom Cruise thing. People wanted those fruity garish. There was a lot of 80s things. And whiskey fell out of favor. And then the, the craft cocktail resurgence that was kind of led by people like Dale DeGroff and Tony Abu Ghanem and Gary Regan, these guys start coming along. And suddenly these bartenders and not just those guys, but the young guys coming up and the young women coming up started to discover these beautiful old recipes that were really the foundation of drinking in America. And those recipes and those drinks were all based on bourbon and rye and the brown spirits and things start to pick back up. Joe has the incredible uh, foresight 
fortune, maybe even a little luck, you might say, of being a lot able, of luck. Of being a lot able of luck. to get the you tell it how you how you came to get the Michter's brand and name. Well, you know, I, I was uh, tasked with starting uh, a new company, Chatham Imports, which is the parent of, of Michter's Distillery uh, in New York. I had nothing decent to sell, and it's the mid-90s, and I wanted to, I thought maybe, you know, as you said, and you're so right, I mean, vodka was on fire, and gin was on fire. It was all about what were called white goods in the business. Uh, you know, if you were a cool guy in those days, you know, you'd order a Chablis to impress the girl at the bar. It was very different exactly. than now. And, and um, even like... Again, we're talking about the era of like Zima. Yes. Where you could order a Zima yes. unironically. You yes. know, I, I mean, it made a comeback with the hipsters. But, but back then, you know, people were ordering Zima yeah. in bars. People were ordering Bartles and James wine coolers. This was the era where whiskey was having a really hard time you're, you're, surviving. You're, yeah, I mean, you're, you're so right. And, you know, ba- basically, um, I, whiskey was having a really hard time in those days. Um, and uh, so we're trying to start this company, and I always loved whiskey personally. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not trained as a producer, but uh, I loved whiskey. And I went to one of my mentors in the business, Dick Newman. Dick had run Old Taylor Oak Co. and Oak Granddad for National Distillers, and later became president. These are of Rock- iconic whiskey brands, as we know. Yeah. yeah. And, and later, later became president of Austin Nichols, the maker of Wild Turkey. Yeah. And uh, Dick was kind enough to help me as a consultant. And I said, I want to do a whiskey brand. And I was familiar with Michter's because I'd had a summer job during college selling Michter's uh, when it was Pennsylvania Michter's. I knew that all the history. And, um, you know, we did due diligence uh, on the brand with a, a law firm, Arnold and Porter, out of Washington. And after a year of due diligence, they said, guys, this is a classic abandoned trademark. You know what? Nobody wants it. Nobody would spend any time on it. Nobody wants to spend any money on that's, it. That's and they so said, insane. Just you saying that, because even now it's like Michter's just permeated the consciousness of whiskey drinkers. And when you think about it in the story, it's amazing. I want to cut chase. What did you What did you pay to get that? Two hundred forty-five dollars. Two hundred forty-five dollars. That's unbelievable. I mean, this is. I think when years from now, uh, when history is written about you know this this new era in bourbon. That is certainly one of the best uh, stories, and what a, an unbelievably shrewd move on your part to do well, this. We, we, we were very lucky, and we had a lot of good luck and a lot of help on the way. Um, but, you know, we decided to focus really on, uh, on you know, as, as a little company, if we came out with the 4 million vodka, who needed us? So we were trying to focus on 10-year-plus whiskey when age statement whiskeys weren't really selling well. Uh, we focused on rye when rye was dead. Dead. Um, dead, 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 dead. I mean, I mean, you know, Michter's Sour Mash, um, uh, which is our recreation of the Pennsylvania Sour Mash, the mash bill, according to Michael Jackson's uh, 1988 World Guide to Whiskey, the mash bill was 38% corn, 50, 50% rye, 12% barley malt. A lot of older writers have said to me the reason it was 50% rye is that they were afraid that if they went to 51%, the government would make them call it rye and it would be marketing death, death. to put rye in the bottle, rye on the, on the label in those days. You know, so it's a totally different thing. But what you said, too, was really, really absolutely true. You know, uh, when nobody 
would even speak to us about rye, it was really the on-premise people, it was the bartenders around the country that were receptive and, 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 and really, really sort pioneered of bringing yeah. back. Yeah. Yes, funny. They, and they sort of made great cocktails. By the way, to paint the scene right here where we are at Bourbon and Beyond, we're in a little tent area here, and there's a bunch of people like Joe milling around, and uh, Eddie Russell, who's been on the show, Eddie's been on this show, Eddie just walked by, and I had a conversation with Eddie earlier, and Eddie was talking about, he's got a new rye coming out as well. Sure, Red, Eddie's the legendary distiller at Wild Turkey, and it's the same thing. He said the bartenders, the bartenders' experimentation with rye and getting not only just classic cocktails, but new classic, the ones that they're that are going to be classic down exactly. the line that they're venting, that's what's driven that category. And it's insane how quickly it's grown. Everybody's doing right. If you're in the whiskey business right now in the United States, you're probably doing a rye. Yeah. I and mean, you guys have done. I love the I love the Michter's rye. Are you very? And in kind, fact, I just you. had dinner. Uh, so let's talk about your new master distiller. Yes. Yeah. Dan McKay. Dan was out in L.A. recently. I had a great dinner out there at you know you could argue it's the nicest restaurant in Los Angeles, Providence, and he was pouring. Basically, the entire portfolio of Michter's, but the, I wish I were there. You should. I wish you were there too, man. But the rye was a big hit, oh, and it's, it's a very versatile, and it, it's good with food. Yeah. You know, you got that. You got that really savory, spicy. Uh, to the rye that I think uh, really lends itself to yeah, our style of rye is very much a traditional Kentucky style rye you know there's some other wonderful ryes with much higher rye content in the mash bill obviously we're majority rye you have to be by law but we use a fair amount of barley malt, we use a fair amount of corn, and so aside from the spice of a really good rye, we also have a little bit of some of like the, the, the sweetness and the richness and the softness that you get from some of the other grains. Um, and, and again, I'm not a production person, but I think our production people have done a really terrific job. Amazing job. And you, so one of the other things with Michter's that I find fascinating, I want to kind of ask you about this, is I, I keep seeing Michter's on TV shows and movies. Like, I, I watched Billions on Showtime. So Billions is a show about, you know, what's his name, Damian Lewis, Paul Giamatti. Damian Lewis plays this, you know, billionaire, hotshot hedge fund guy. And anytime they're celebrating some conquest, finance, they pull out the Michters. Is that? We you, like that. Did you pay like for that, that or they just we, do we it? We like that. You know, uh, you know, we're very fortunate. You know, there's a lot of people associated with the show that before the show were Michter's drinkers. Um, and, um, uh, you, know, we're, we're, you know, we've been very lucky. Um, you know, we actually have a pretty good following for Michter's. I, I don't know how it happened, but a lot of really, a lot of the creative people in Hollywood and elsewhere um, uh, really are, are, are Michter's people, and that's really helped us tremendously. I mean, I mean, people email me and say, hey, you know, uh, uh, you know, I saw Michter's in this movie, I saw Michter's on this TV show, and I didn't even know about it until they told me. Well, that, there is, so there, you know, when you, when you, you were take the whole whiskey as a category, let's just say American whiskey as a category, there are certain things. You've got your you've got your iconic brands. You know, you've got your beams, wild turkeys, some of the ones you talk about, old grand you got those. All great stuff. Yeah. Then you got then you got the new guys or some of the new guys that are out. Then you got what Michter's is, is an old brand that was resurrected, but Michter's is in that category, which is, I think, where exactly where I would want to be if I had a whiskey, which is in that category where 
you're a on your way to becoming an iconic brand, but you got that coolness factor to you. You know, like there's a, it's like that band that's not the most popular band in the world, but they might be the coolest band in the world. I think Michter's kind of has that going for them. Yeah, you know, what we're trying to do at Michter's, whether we're doing it or not, our goal is to make the greatest American whiskey regardless of cost. We take all sorts of extra steps that are beyond industry standard that most people don't, you know, take. I mean, for example, we were we were, uh, we were tasting uh, our, our, our 10-year bourbon today with some people. Uh, the 19 release is actually 13 years, two months old. Now, you know, if we were strictly thinking about the financial part of it, 10 years in a day, you bottle the damn thing. But we so give why, a master that's of maturation. That's for tax purposes too, or is that no, 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 so no, 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 no. The, just the, because the, of the we, supply. The, 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 no, the maturation. We let our stuff mature until it's ready. Gotcha. And, and our master of maturation, Andrea Wilson, who's a brilliant with a chemistry background, first woman, by the way, to ever chair the Kentucky Distillers Association over 100 years and never had a woman chair. It's the first Amazing. one to chair it. And she knows her barrels. I've oh, been, yeah, I've been with Andrea out at the distillery. I don't know that I've ever met anybody that knows more about maturation yes. than her. No, she does, and, and she knows all the science. And you know, and, and you spent time with Dan McKee, yeah. who is a brilliant young distiller. Um, and you know, we let them decide when it's ready. It's not just the finances. Okay, it's ten years and a day old. We can legally call it ten-year bourbon. You know, we wait because you know, not every barrel will age the same. Not every lot ages the same. Some need a little more time to achieve what we wanted to achieve. And we let our people have the leeway, but it's costly. We heat cycle our warehouses, even though we get much higher angel share. You know, that's atypical. Uh, we toast our barrels before we char them. We pay more for that. Uh, uh, the wood in our barrels is air-dried 18 months outdoors can I, can before I it's made into a barrel, all question? sorts of stuff. Why, would, why, why do you do that? When you say you toast the barrels before you char them, what are you, what are you trying to accomplish there flavor-wise? What, 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 we, what we found is that if you toast the barrels before you char them, and, uh, you know, when you want, we'll, we'll show you some cross sections of staves, you know, the red line where the sugars in the wood are, where the whiskey goes to, the red line is much deeper and much thicker if you toast before you char. Bourbon and American rye, by law, you must char. Charring is basically like for like a minute or so, yeah. the damn barrel burn goes on the, fire. Burn the inside Just of the goes barrel. on fire. Yeah. But toasting, uh, and there's lots of different toast profiles you can use. You, you can vary the temperature. Is it 400 degrees? Is it 800 degrees? You can vary the timing. Is it 30 minutes? Is it three hours? So, so toasting is a very light, gentle heat. If you toast the barrel before you char it, you will get much better. The, wood, the whiskey will eventually permeate more deeply into the wood. You'll get a much better concentration of the sugars in the red line, uh, in, in our opinion. And basically, you will get a richer, smoother, you know, whiskey, but you pay for that. You know, during the barrel shortage, there's a barrel shortage in the United States for about three years or three years plus. And even though we're not the biggest company, we had no trouble getting barrels because a Michter's barrel, between specifying that the wood's air-dried 18 months outdoors minimum um, all the time uh, to, to toasting and all our other stuff we require, our Michter's barrel is so much more expensive than a standard barrel that they were happy to sell us during the shortage. Yeah, they're like, let's go to that guy. Exactly. And then I got to figure the aftermarket for your barrels has got to be huge, right? Well, here's the thing, you know, we we're trying really hard to make the very best stuff we possibly can, and and there's a lot of people who've approached us, and I'm sure that they would do great stuff with it, but um, we disguise our barrels before they're resold because the issue is if a, if somebody uses a Michter's barrel, say to finish or to to, make, to age a scotch, 
you know, where they use it to 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 to, to age a, 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 a beer or something like that. You know, they may do something really, really wonderful, and they probably usually will. On the other hand, once it leaves us, we have no control over quality, and so so we don't want somebody. We don't want Same that we're Asian and mixed. We, you know, we, 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 we don't. You know, we 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 work so hard in every little detail at Mictors that you know. That, that we're willing to take less reselling the barrels uh, uh, and just have them disguised and just sell them like a normal barrel. And so what we're talking about here, just so you know, is at the, once they use the bourbon barrels, they can only use them one time exactly. uh, to make bourbon. And so those barrels go, and they, as Joe said, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna be used to age scotch. They're gonna be used to age beer, some beer, tequila, tequila and stuff, rum, tequila rum, even some wines, or experimenting with stuff like that. Absolutely. And and Joe uh, doesn't you know doesn't want to make wants to make sure that they're not out there going yeah this was Michter's and that product ends up being crap and somehow it reflects poorly on you. Yeah, as I said, I'm sure most of the time it'd be something really nice, but you know, but once it leaves us, we have no control over quality. I mean, again, our our goal, regardless of cost, is to make the greatest American whiskey. That's what we're trying to do with our team. And you opened a uh, you opened a new distillery. I was fortunate enough to get to come and visit it when right when it opened at Fort Nelson, which yes. is right in downtown Louisville. Fort Nelson is a historic and national historic landmark. I guess is it or it's, yeah. I mean, we, we, when we were renovating it, we had to deal with National Park Service in Washington. That was great to deal with and stuff. But it's a really <laughs> historic building. Uh, it, it, it dates back to 1890. Um, it only took us eight years to renovate it, uh, so but but we're done now. We opened in February, and um, you know we, we, we give tours where we show people some of the special things we make. Mictors. We're very lucky because we're able to get the historic, legendary pot still system from Mictors, Pennsylvania, um, and we have that in there. We're distilling with that, um, and um, uh, you know we do sensory training there. Um, we have a gift shop. We have a world-class cocktail bar where Dave Wondrich curated the uh, classic cocktail. Dave, so it's, Dave it's a Wondrich good is operation. one of the probably the most knowledgeable uh, spirits historian in the world, and Dave uh, is, is great. You guys are part of the the, the, the Bourbon Trail, yes, we right? Are. So are you like stop number two, or we, we... well, I, I, don't, I don't know exactly what stop we are, but you know the Kentucky Bourbon Trail has been really terrific for for Kentucky in general. You know, last year there were 1.4 million visitors to the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, and uh, it, it's really, you know, helped bourbon tourism a lot, and uh, we're very proud to be part of it. Well, listen, I uh, I am a, an unabashed fan of Michter's. I talk about it all the time with good reason, because I drink it all the time. And uh, it's always a thrill to see you, Joe Malioka. Thank you so much, Dan. From Michter's. Check it out. Are you on the Are you on the internet? Can people find you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Michter's.com. Michter's.com. M-I-C-H-T-R-S.com. you personally. Are you out there tweeting and Instagramming? Uh, no, we have people, our, 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 our younger people <laughs> do that. Just looking at me like I got two I'm heads like, right now. Yeah, no, 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 I don't do a lot of social media, but uh, You're a busy I, man. I, I, I kind of know how to email and that's about it. Joe's got email. If you can okay. find his email, email him. I'm not okay. giving it to you. But Joe, always great to see you, <laughs> buddy. You and so Mictor's Bourbon, let's go. More, want to go some more bourbon? I mean, we're going to go go beyond again. There we go. Thank you so much, Dan. All right, all right, all right. Matthew loves the whiskey. His whiskey's wild turkey, but that was Michter's. And, and what you say? What a great interview with Joe. Yeah. No, I think now that, you've you've learned. Now you've learned more about the rye, haven't you? Yeah, I'm gonna bore people with my knowledge. Joel is gonna be, he's gonna be at cocktail parties with Rob Reiner. Going, guess what, Rob Reiner? You can talk about Spinal Tap. You can talk about politics. You can talk about all the amazing things you've done in your life, being on All in the Family. Uh, but guess what? 
I'll kick your ass when it comes to rye. Yeah, I'm and not going to say Don't that. bring it. No. So Joel Stein's new book is out now. It's called In Defense of Elitism, Why I'm Better Than You and You Are Better Than Someone Who Didn't Buy This Book. I highly recommend it. It's Even if of, you're not going to read it, it's really good to just keep on like the coffee table to piss off your in-laws. It's fairly thick. You could beat off a predator with it. It's fairly thick, but... But as you'll notice, I kept it as I short said as... beat off a predator. I understand. I, I let that go. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I used to watch that show. They brought in the people <laughs> and they brought them to jail afterwards. Beat off a predator. Um, one thing you'll notice about the book is the enormous font size and margins. I can almost read it from over here. So what I learned is I tried to keep the book short. And I kept cutting and cutting and cutting because who wants to read a long book? No, um, not me. And what I learned was there's like a page count at which the uh, publisher can needs to hit in order to charge full price. Okay. Because otherwise people feel cheated. But what they do is the college trick. In order to make it enough pages, they just blow out the margins and the kerning. And How the, many words? Like 75,000. That's all that was? It's so much shorter than my you last book. bastard. Box. American Wine, was 100,000 words. Yeah. Well, I had like 150,000. I just cut it as, as close as I could. I think you did shorter. a great job. It's exactly the right length. But, Any but, more, I would have not liked it. But no, I'm kidding. I know. I agree. I agree. Joking, so it, it is a large book, but uh, will take you very little time to read. If you've... Uh, if you've enjoyed my voice, you can buy the audiobook. But if you, you find it, did to be, you do the audiobook? I did. I just finished it today. But if you um, if you find my voice annoying and Jewy, just buy the normal print copy. I like your voice. I like this song. So pick up to, so Joe. Where are you? Is there anywhere else where your work is now? Like where you, columns anywhere? You got yeah, something going who, on? Whoever will pay me. Anybody? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. What's your yeah. Uh, what's the social media stuff? What do you got? I don't know. Where do we find? Just want people to buy the book. Um, Let's buy the book. Buy the book. I want to. I want to. I do want to thank you for coming on. I want to thank Joe Malioko for coming on. I want to thank um, uh, just the universe for all. Oh, the, that's nice. All the blessings, and I'll leave you. Wow, that's important. I'll leave you with a quote. Is it for me? By a famous person. It's me, right? Maybe. When wine drinkers tell me they taste notes of cherries, tobacco, and rose petals, usually all I can detect is a whole lot of jackass.